severely messed Artists like their boots are torn to shreds The government will spoil your hopes and dreams By offering a useless retreat and scheme There's such amazing talent, why can't you see That the government has decimated the industry And now the years of hard work have been thrown away Just get a real job. Hello and welcome to episode 120 of Just Get A Real Job. I'm of course your host, Jamie McKinley, and thank you as always for listening to this podcast. I'm recording this one, I'm a little bit choked up off the cold, so I'm going to keep this one a bit shorter than usual. Thank you to everyone for their kind messages two weeks ago when we celebrated our third anniversary of doing this podcast it means that means a lot to us that that people were getting in touch and that people have took something away from this over the last few years and feel engaged with us it's always a nice thing so no much appreciated for all the support we'd had also i know we had a few people get in touch about where the podcast was at last week we did put a post on our social media but i know not everyone would have heard it but we just took a little week off because work was just particularly busy for me and elliot and something i've sort of learned over the last couple of years of doing this and just from speaking to people that work in the industry is that you've got to sort of protect your mental well-being sometimes when you've got a lot on and I just thought it might be better for the quality of the podcast as well to take a little week off because you know I don't want to rush an episode out if it's not ready or you're not happy with it etc because you know I want this to be the best it can be for the listeners so but we're back now and we have another brilliant episode this week in store for you I'm speaking to us on the podcast this week is Craig Andrew Mooney who has recently published his first debut novel The Rebel of Time available in all good bookshops it was really interesting to speak to Andrew about getting that published the process behind it Andrew's also an actor and a development producer at Mile Away Films they recently released a feature film called The Difference Between Us which I'm very much looking forward to seeing it was quite interesting to also speak to Andrew about wearing so many different creative hats his sort of pragmatic approach in starting his career in this industry it was a really interesting chat really enjoyed it. I recorded this one on a Saturday morning, which I usually record this podcast weekday evenings just for my schedule. And it was very nice to sort of do this in the morning. I actually had a bit more energy about me, so that might be something we're going to look into going forward. As always as well, if you're enjoying this podcast, be sure to subscribe to us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Leave us a nice review. Be sure to tell people to listen, friends, family. Share it on all the socials. And the algorithms are all pretty f these days, but you know, we, we can always try as an independent podcast. We can only do our best. But yes, without much further ado, I hope you enjoy episode 120 with Craig Andrew Mooney. Good morning, Craig. It's, it's lovely to meet you and thanks for coming on this podcast on a Saturday morning. It's much appreciated. That's great to be here. Great to be here. I love the show, so I'm very happy to be on. No, it's, it's, a, it's a joy to have you on. But Craig, you've recently got a book out called The Rebel of Time. You've also been involved in various roles in a film called The Difference Between Us this year as well. It's been quite a busy year as we come to the end of it for you, but do you just want to co- sort of quickly introduce yourself to the listeners, tell them a bit about who you are and what you do, etc. Because you wear a lot of hats. Yeah, yeah, it has been a bit of a mad year, actually, yeah. So my name is Craig Andrew Mooney. I'm an actor, a writer, and more recently I became a development producer for production company Mile Away Films in Glasgow. And yeah, it's. Uh, I've also recently wrote a novel which got published this year called The Rebel of Time, as you said. It's a, a YA fantasy novel that's set in Scotland. It's got Scottish main characters, which is something I was really passionate about showcasing. And it's about this Scottish teenager called Dorn West who lives up in the Highlands in this remote village. And, he, you know, there's only puffins and islands to the West. It's a very small place. And he's at that time in his life where he starts to think about what do I want to do with myself? Do I want to move off to the big city or do I want to stay and be part of the local community for the rest of my life? Because that's a decision that a lot of people from these these places have to make. And yeah, but he discovers along the way that he has the genetic ability to travel in time and he has this big destiny ahead of him. But the point of the book is, does he follow that path or does he try and forge a new future for himself? So yeah, that, that's, that, that's been a lot of fun seeing all that develop over the course of this year and, and finally be out for everyone to read. So, yeah, it's been an exciting year. I can tell you'd been on the, the book tour, etc., because you'd managed to very eloquently sort of <laughs> yeah. get across what the book's about in the intro <laughs> question. So, I mean, we'll come on, we'll get into that in lots more detail. I'm really interested yeah. to hear about how you wrote the book and the process of getting it yeah. published and a bit more about the characters and stuff like that. But thank you for introducing yourself. There's lots for us to sort of chat about this morning because... 
as I mentioned, you wear a lot of hats. It's often the case on this podcast. A lot of creative people, mm-hmm. you know, do various jobs and kind of have to to make a living. And creative people tend to be quite uh, multifaceted anyway. But I'm going to get you to cast your mind back slightly. And I'm going to ask you what your earliest creative memory was. So do you remember sort of, did you always want to be an actor or a writer, etc. when you were young? I think so, yeah. I think it was always, always there. I think both were always there as well. I... I mean, I've been told stories of when I was a, when I was like really small, like just parroting back the television. I used to sit in front of the TV and just parrot back the advert word for word and, you know, do the voices and stuff. So that was one thing. But yeah, I think from as young as about the age of five, I think I, I, I was telling people oh, that's what I wanted to do, especially the, I think on my primary one report or something, he, he, it was like, he's a nice boy, very chatty. He keeps talking about wanting to be an author <laughs> one day and write, writing books and all these things. So yeah, I think it was always kind of there. I think my earliest probably creative memory in terms of it being more concrete, though, I think was in was in primary five. And that I had this wonderful teacher called Mrs. Bryson, who was probably one of the first teachers to really understand me as a person and kind of encourage that creativity. And she saw something in me and really pushed me to, you know, be more confident and get up in front of the class and do talks and read things out and all these things. And she did this wonderful thing on a Friday afternoon where she used to encourage uh, people to get up and just like do a skit or read a poem or do impressions or just anything creative anything random like that and I used to go up and do that all the time and one time as well because we, we had our history topic which was all about Robert the Bruce and that's you know you do that if you're uh, mm. in school in Scotland uh, the wars of independence and all these things and I read a uh, extract that I'd written about about this time in history and then she took me aside afterwards and said that was really good do you want to help write our assembly on this and i was like i was like 10 years old i was like oh, okay i'll give it a go if you want me to but essentially that's that's what happened I, and i wrote this play and i gave it to mrs bryson she definitely edited it very very <laughs> very very heavily and helped it get to where it needed to be because yeah but it was fantastic to, to be part of that and to feel like I'd written something that then was put on stage. Obviously, you know, I, I did my best, but what was actually ended up being there probably wasn't, you know. Well, uh, that, that's usually the case with things anyway. I mean, any oh, yeah. film or show gets <laughs> yeah. goes through many stages of editing, etc. So it was a good lesson for that. Well, well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're right. A wee bit of a foreshadow for my future job as well, I suppose. But yeah, so that that probably was probably my earliest kind of concrete memory of going, I really love this. This is something I really want to do. Mm. And then obviously just being part of like school plays and stuff up throughout my time in school and the panto and P7 and things like that. There was there was little moments like that where I kind of just realised that, yeah, th- th- this is it for me. This this is what I want to do. And it was, it was a bit of a roundabout way of getting to this point, but we got there in the end, I suppose. Yeah, I think what's so nice about that story as well, and, and I think it's, it's why like teachers are so important. My mum's a teacher and why the arts are so vital in education, even if you don't go on to work in them. I think for confidence, I, I identify with that fully. I was quite a shy and nervous kid, quite like low self-esteem. And it was things like drama and, and writing and, and sort of just creative little things like that that really brought me out my shell and, and made me now have a podcast and a career and, and this sort of thing. But like, as a person I think I wouldn't be who I am today without all that and I think it's so important and I think you need teachers like that that do use things like that to try and help kids build their self-esteem etc yeah yeah, yeah. really nice to hear stories I I think it's so common on this podcast that someone will say like oh you know it was a teacher at school that you know we did this because you don't think about it as a kid you don't think oh I'm going to do this forever but it just it opens a little little spark goes off I think which is always nice so the next part of this question is is about how where you're from has influenced you as a creative so you're from Dundee right yes so I'm a fifer so it's not too far away I used to spend oh, a lot, yeah. a lot of the, time in Dundee you're the enemy then across the river you know that's what, that's what everyone always <laughs> says isn't it yeah I never realised how much people didn't like Fife till I moved to Edinburgh <laughs> and then to Glasgow like it really gets a hard time being a fifer uh, but you got where, to about, where, where, where about see from in five it gets worse at glenrothes oh right <laughs> i went i was at uni with a person from glenrothes actually yeah, yeah but we get about we get yeah about. yeah 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 she's one of my she's one of my good friends I li- uh, yeah she's one of my flatmates at uni yeah how was growing up in dundee for you and how has that had an impact on you as a creative person etc i mean i think it was interesting like i, I had a family that you know that my my parents met in amdram for a start my dad was a stand-up comedian i think he probably wanted to be an actor as well himself back in the day my, and I'm, so my mum was obviously into that, into drama. She used to teach drama. She's a primary school teacher. Mm-hmm. So my mum's a teacher as well. She's recently retired. But yeah, she taught drama a little bit as, as part of her job as well, being a primary school teacher. So they 
understood, I think, kind of where I was coming from and what I wanted to do. My brother is also now an actor. I've got a younger brother called Scott <laughs> Mooney, who's a very he's a, he's a very talented actor as well. So he's off doing all that stuff too. So it was interesting because I think they understood it, but at the same time, by the time I, like me and my brother were growing up, that had all kind of stopped for them. They kind of mm-hmm. were not really doing that sort of thing anymore. So I think there was also an element of, right, you want to do this? Okay, cool. But do you have a plan? Like, what, what's what what what's the plan here? What what is the actual thing you're going to try and do to make this make this work? I think there was a little reservations a little bit about you know going for it and actually having a go and doing this properly, which kind of probably influenced, especially me as the as the older sibling. I think it kind of influenced me in terms of right. You need to have some kind of like plan in place here to make this work for yourself. So that's why kind of did. I went off. I've had a quite a roundabout way into the industry because I was a very pragmatic child and kind of decided that I was going <laughs> to you know get something a job that i would enjoy that that if things didn't work out in the creative industry i could fall back on and 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 be quite perfectly happy doing and that was being a, a pe teacher so i went off to mm. uni and became a pe teacher but i immediately knew not that i'd made a mistake but that i felt like i hadn't i hadn't been brave enough just to just you know go on off do a drama degree or go off and try and you know get on the ground floor and like a production company become a runner or just, just something like that but then again i didn't think i knew much about that back then as well i think and i'll probably talk about that a bit later on but yeah it's it was one of those things where i decided that i was gonna often be a teacher but when i was doing the degree i was like this is fine but you know you, you know you have this plan in place that in the next few years you're gonna to have to you know go off and try and you know go mm. for this at some point and um, so yeah I, I the plan essentially was i became a teacher i i worked at it for a few years and saved up the money and then essentially just went, you know what? Here we go. We're going to go for it. And then guess what happened? COVID happened. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then uh, so that hampered things a little bit. I did okay, actually, uh, during COVID. It wasn't too bad. But yeah, it's it's all kind of worked out quite well so far. But yeah, that that essentially was what happened. That's kind of, kind of my childhood kind of influenced me, I think, I, I would say, in growing up in Dundee. It wasn't really seen as something that, even, even in a family who kind of understood, it's still not really seen as something that is a viable, you know, yeah. Like a, actually a concrete thing that you can actually see for yourself and actually, you know, go off and do that thing. That was probably quite a big thing growing up for sure. No, definitely. But if you don't see people around you that are, you know, full-time actors on the telly or like working the jobs, like, you know, for example, being a, even being something like a script editor or making films and stuff, then it doesn't seem like a viable option because it's such a closed industry to people coming up and something I'm very passionate about. Why I do this podcast, one of the reasons is I want to make it more accessible to people. I want people to understand what it's all about. And that's why it's so important, even you, yourself going into schools and stuff with your book and things I think you know we've got to try and shine a light on it but I think it's a very natural thing to have a bit of a pragmatic plan and to to use something like teaching as a good fallback for sure I think that must be quite common I've, I'd like to think I'm quite a pragmatic person even in the sort of jobs I take I quite like longer jobs that have a bit more yeah. security as a script editor and stuff like that because I just don't I'm not very good at being a freelancer I, I find it very stressful even a six-month job, you're like, oh, God, this, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's hard. It's really hard. And I never shy behind that. But no, it's really interesting. That, did you, so when you were actually working as a PE teacher, was it hard for you to focus sometimes because you were sort of thinking about, well, I'm, I'm also assuming you were writing books on the side and whatnot as well. So Yeah, I mean, so I, The Rebel of Time is my, my debut novel, but I actually wrote other books before that that were kind of more just for me just to kind of just mm-hmm. kind of just to practice because it is a, it is a skill it's a different skill to of writing course, a yeah. script so writing a script so it's a totally different style of writing so i was kind of doing that at the same time i wrote my first book when i was at uni and then i wrote a couple more while i was teaching as well but again not really for any purpose other than just to kind of practice but also i was also in the holidays on the weekends going off and trying to be an actor as well i wasn't that, that was also the kind of the part of the plan the part of the plan was not just to you know do teaching and then just cut it off and then go off and be an, it was it was to kind of slowly transition yeah. out of being a teacher in, into the creative industry so essentially what happened was i in the school holidays at the weekends i started out simply by applying to be a supporting artist because I wanted to see how a high-end film and TV set actually worked because again as I was saying it wasn't something I'd seen much of as as a child it was more theatre based so I didn't really have a concept of how things were actually made like how TV shows and films how that what a day in the life of someone on a film set was actually like so essentially what I did was I I I planned to be a supporting artist just for a a year or two just to kind of go into these sets and I would just sit and I'd watch everybody I I would sit and take notes 
because there's quite a lot of downtime for for supporting artists on a, on a set. So I, I would just took, took my phone out or took a pad and pen out and just wrote down like things that I saw that I liked or you know jobs I thought looked quite interesting. Mm-hmm. And then also from an acting point of view, right? How does the actor behave on set? What's their what do they do? Where you know what happens before they're going on to camera? How do they interact with the camera? How is it different from theatre? So that again, that's that's the sort of things I was doing. But yeah, it, it, it was an interesting time actually juggling all that stuff. And I think I would have done the, the, one of the short films I did that I acted and did quite well was Hideous. And I, that actually, I, I was still a teacher when I, when I was full time. I was still a full time teacher when I did that film. And that was kind of weird to kind of have that thing happening at the same time where there's all these like awards, you know, be, being, you know, talked about and going off to all these festivals and stuff. Meanwhile, the kids are starting to find out that you're doing all these things. And it's like, oh, no. <laughs> and, and yeah, so that, that was that was interesting for sure. And it's, it's fine now because like, the, the, the kids, um, I still kind of teach now and again. I teach I teach a couple of days a week when things are quiet, and the kids who I teach now they all are fully aware of what I do, which is quite fun because they they're really into the idea and ask me what I've been up to, and you know they're very into the book as well, which is really fun as well. Oh, that's really nice actually. So like a nice part of it. No, I kind of what you're saying about being an SA to get that experience and see what sets like. I think it kind of chimes with kind of what I did as well because I was studying. Vaguely tried. I wanted to be a writer. I very soon was like no, because I love scripting and I'm very much just in for that now. Like I don't write mm-hmm. or anything. I get my creative kick from from this mm-hmm. podcast. It keeps me very busy on the side. But like I, yeah, my first sort of job in this industry was I worked in the COVID department. But it was really interesting for me to just to see exactly what you were doing. I was taking little notes. Mm-hmm. I was reading the scripts. I was like, mm-hmm. you know. In, in interacting with all the crew because you don't understand how it all works so you couldn't get to do that so and same at uni I used to just go and work on any short film I could just do any yeah. job for them just and the first job I did was like a script supervisor as well just like you know ticking random things and that just because it's really interesting to see how a set works you don't really get that unfortunately at school or even at uni a lot of the courses to do a film in Scotland unless you're at the NFTS or like a maybe more practical course you're not really yeah. getting a chance to, to go and get that experience so I think it helps so much so it's really interesting you sort of even more very pragmatic with that <laughs> I know it's yeah. quite tactical but I think that you have to be I think that's really good advice for people listening to pick yeah. up on I think you have to be quite especially in an industry that's not easy to get into you have to think about it a bit outside the box at times mm, mm, yeah uh, for sure before I, I want to sort of come on to some of the earlier acting jobs and the difference between us and then we'll, we'll talk about the book as well but before that like I wondered if you have a favorite word or phrase from Dundee that you'd like to share with us it's not a, it's not actually a, a Dundonian word per se, but it's something I find very, very funny about where I'm from, is that we're the only place in the entire world that calls a roundabout a circle. <laughs> and, I've, and I've always found that absolutely hilarious because whenever I tell someone that, they're always like, what? Like, like, like literally no one else in the whole world says this. Don't know why we do it, but we do it. And yeah, that, that's my favourite word from Dundee. I think, you know, I think some, I think it was a Billy Conley sketch about how like he was in a car once and the English sat, it was a very posh English woman called it a traffic circle <laughs> but i don't think it you know it's a circle alone a, a yeah. that's good i like that it's yeah. a singular circle yeah that's a good answer yeah 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 Oh, it's good. Well, sort of moving on from your teaching and you've taken that step away now and it's, you know, obviously said COVID came along and stuff, but what were you sort of doing at that point? Were you just sort of picking up acting jobs? Like, obviously, I know you started writing The Rebel of Time in 2019 as well. Yeah. So I, I guess yeah. you, that was all going on then. Yeah, so, um, yeah, so, I mean, yeah, I, I try to always take the positives from you know things that happened like that and and yeah the, the, it was it was a bit of a kick in the teeth to begin with when i because i had i had it all had it all planned out for years you see this is the, the problem mm-hmm. with being pragmatic sometimes sometimes it just doesn't doesn't go your way but i had it all planned out I, i'd saved up the money uh put in my notice for a career break from teaching so i still had my job to go back to if i wanted to again being pragmatic so i took a year <laughs> I, 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 took, I took a year and a half off and then literally the what, what would it have been i think two or three months into the career break covid happened and I just was like, and I was just like, oh my God, <laughs> what are the chances? But yeah, it actually worked out okay because what happened was I got a couple of decent acting jobs that were just like fun wee short films that, that, that were that were good to kind of keep me going, keep me being creative and all these things. But then it also gave me the opportunity to write the book, which I, I don't think I would have had, I don't think I would have got the book done as quickly had it not been for COVID because I, it, mm. it really gave me the chance just to sit and just have that time and know that, there's nothing much you can do here. Like you know, you, you you've not you can't go anywhere. You can't do all these things. So you may as well sit and 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 write this book that you've been planning for for all this time. So yeah, I, I'd started writing the book in about the summer of 2019. So when COVID happened, that's yeah, it was it was kind of prime time to kind of do it. So yeah, that's essentially what, how I spent that time and that, that kind of early part of that transitional period into 
know, being part of the creative industry. Yeah. How, how do you find that all the different things you do interact with each other? Like, be that being an actor, being a writer, like doing the sort of producing stuff and then also writing the book and things. How do they all, because they're all very different, but how do you think they sort of, I mean, you, they must all influence each other to an extent as well. Yeah, I would say so. I, th- I think everything I've done is either helped me in some way or informed something that I've learned about myself or or learned about the other job that, that I'm doing, I think for sure. I think it is interesting because like I it, it, it's something that I didn't really, the, the, the things that I'm doing now were th- are like, the, for example, being a development producer. It's something that a job, as I said, I didn't even know existed. I, I, had, I had no idea this, this, and even being a script editor as well, it's a similar sort of thing. It, it, I, I didn't know these kind of jobs existed from being at school. And had I known back then, I think I would have probably taken a very different approach to my life probably because mm-hmm. I, I think what I was thinking back then was that I'm going to be an actor. And yeah. that's quite a dangerous thing to say that you want to try and do in terms of like, you know, you know, financially, all these things, all these things that can go wrong uh, if you want to try and do that sort of job. So that's why I did the teaching thing. So had I known there was all these other things that I could be in this creative industry that I think my probably my perspective would have changed a lot. And I think I would have definitely probably gone off and done a film degree or some kind or screenwriting degree or mm-hmm. something like that. But it's been interesting that, you know, being an actor, I think, helps you as a writer because it certainly, I think, helps with dialogue. And vice versa as well, actually, because you you understand how someone needs to have a conversation. You understand when you've had a script where you don't feel like the words are natural mm. when they're coming out of your mouth. So so that's a very simple comparison that, that I've found as well, that that's something that's helped both ways that... yeah. Or, or, or as an actor when I see something in a script I immediately go that doesn't sound quite right and then I would have more confidence to then say to the director or the writer look this doesn't feel right coming out of my mouth can I suggest this because you know, I, and I have that more confidence because obviously I've been, I've been doing the writing side of things and I think the, sa- the same way like from, from being an actor and from understanding what, what a, a natural conversation should sound like again when I'm writing a script myself that also informs it for sure and the, the producing side of things is something that I never really actually envisioned at all that I was going to do. As I said, it, like, it, it was something that I've not, I suppose, fought, it is, I've kind of fallen into. Like the experience, we'll talk about the film later, the difference between us. But essentially, it was a case of me just putting myself out there and just saying, I think I can help here. And I ended up being part of the crew and just found myself really enjoying being behind the camera and, 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 and helping the actors in that sense because again i had that perspective of being an actor and understanding what what you would need to get through this scene so that was something that i really really loved working out it was actually weird because i actually found that it kind of combined the two aspects of myself the teaching and the 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 acting and the creative stuff like like being yeah being behind the camera being a producer or helping the director that really yeah it kind of it would weirdly combine the two things and like talking to an actor and and helping them understand a scene and helping them kind of work at what they were going to do. It, it, yeah, it, it was very interesting that I kind of discovered that. But yeah, it, it, it's weird how they all kind of interact together. And it's, it, it's, it does feel like spinning plates a lot of the time. It, mm. it, it, does, it, does, it, it does feel like I'm kind of just like kind of moving from one to the next sometimes and what we're doing this week and where am I going now? But it, it, that's part of the process. That's, that's what this whole business is about and why it's so fun. Yeah, no, it certainly is fun, if not stressful at times. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think, just want to pick up on something you were saying about like not knowing that things like script did it and or whatever mm. it was a job i think it's so common i think we kind of touched on this earlier but when we when you do grow up in you know a working class area or i think even just in scotland in general and you don't see people around you that are doing those jobs the t- main jobs you see on the telly are uh, acting or film directing or something they're the sort of two yeah. jobs that if you think about working in some sort of film or tv thing you that, that they sort of go oh i could do that either or, or either of them because you, you just don't really get to hear about all these other variety of jobs so like i remember even becoming a script editor when i was a trainee i was like we get to do all this stuff that's amazing like this yeah. is a great job i love it and you know it's just really interesting that we don't actually know it's even an option and people like ourselves who are very pragmatic would have prepared better for it etc i know exactly had we known all the yeah you know you know where to look for all these things exactly Exactly. No, it's really interesting. Let, let's get into the book then. Cool. Which you, I kind of plugged a little bit at the start, but the first thing I wanted to ask about was, obviously you started writing this in 2019. We're in 2023 now, and the book was published, what, a few like, a couple of months ago? Was it October? August. 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 Yeah. I'm yeah. a bit off there. August. <laughs> this year's went fast. I can't give up. Yeah. But that's quite a big difference of where you probably are in your life, like, you know, from being 26 to being 30. Like, how did that affect the writing process as well? I think it definitely did, because I think it is, a, as you say, it's a very different period in your life i think being in your mid-20s to being 30 i feel i mean a lot of things have changed since then i've got a house now you know i've got a a mortgage now to pay for you know all all these things (laughs) that you know all these more grown-up things that have kind of happened to me since then 
And I think the main thing is that you do get that more life experience that kind of, and my opinion in, in the creative industry in general, being an actor, being a writer, whatever it may be, the more life experience you have, the better, because you can put it back into your work. And that, that can be as an actor or as a writer. So I think it's been quite interesting to have this book. I hate, well, I'm going to use the phrase bookend, a bit of a cliched <laughs> phrase to use, but you know what I mean? Like, you know, those two parts of my life that this, this guy who was kind of just starting out and just trying to go for it, and then now being 30 years old, and it's all kind of starting to happen a little bit. Uh, and don't get me wrong, I'm still very much at the beginning of this journey. And it's, it's, it's not going to be, I'm not nowhere near the end or even near the middle. So it's all kind of still happening. But to kind of be at this point where it's done and it's finished and and seeing it on a shelf has just been quite mm. incredible to to me. Not and never expecting really that from when I first started it, for sure. Yeah, that's quite magical, actually, the idea that you just get to see the book in Waterstones yeah. or something. No, it's class. But let, let's sort of, well, let's tell us a bit more about the book and then we'll get into sort of all the behind-the-scenes stuff and, like, the process behind it all, et cetera. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of did my whole spiel at the start, didn't I? <laughs> yeah, you can maybe just re, you can yeah. recap again. You're very good at it now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so, yeah, it's The Rebel of Time. It's about a Scottish teenager named Dorn West. He discovers that he has the ability to travel in time and he and his best friend Xander go off on this mad adventure through history, uh, and they go to places like the Bruce time again. That's you know been influenced by my time in primary five for sure, and mm-hmm. um, Mrs. Bryce and all these things. They go meet <laughs> Leonardo, Leonardo da Vinci, and and also a wee bit on you know Borders Reavers, which is where I was kind of when I, when I was writing the book, I was living in the Scottish border, so I kind of had all that stuff as well. But it was important to me with the book to kind of you know reference Scottish culture and our language and our mm-hmm. history because I don't think it's been done enough, especially in fiction, especially fiction for younger people as well. Now this book, I hope I've got some really good feedback from adults. As as well so i'm hoping that anyone really can pick up and enjoy it uh, of any age but it is targeted more you know kind of age yeah, 11 yeah. And, uh, you know young enough, age 11 and up pro- probably would be the kind of age range for it and it and i kind of wrote the reason i wrote the book was mainly for you know kids in this country you know kids kids in scotland who don't really get to see themselves represented enough uh, mm-hmm. in in stories and that's that's really why i i wanted to write the book and showcase these characters and showcase where we're from and our history and how someone from Scotland would you know behave in all, in all these situations and on this mad adventure so yeah it, it's been a lot of fun and I'm really glad it's it, it's there mm-hmm. and, the, and the, the the most bizarre thing is that now kids are actually starting to read it now which which, which is mental mm-hmm. uh, to me which is which is great that's a really nice that's a really nice part of it especially for them to get to see themselves represented mm-hmm. as you mentioned at the start like that you know not seeing yourself or hearing yourself you know you don't you don't think it's possible to go and do this sort of thing so it'd be quite an inspiring thing when writing the book like what was the biggest influence where, where did this idea all come from so yeah <laughs> the, the the idea for the, the initial spark for the book is something i can't talk about yet because it's something that's going to be revealed in the sequel so i am starting to write the sequel now but so it essentially was the idea came from oh that would be really cool if this was a thing mm. and then i and then i in terms of the actual kind of overall premise though and and, and the time travel aspect my favorite tv show growing up was doctor who as a, as a child and my favorite film growing up was back to the future and it still is my favorite film i, w- I won't lie so yeah it was always going to happen that i was going to write a time travel book it's something i've always been very interested in. i've always been very fascinated by history and and yeah, that's essentially where it came from. I, I essentially want to have a crack at writing time travel. Why? I have no idea now because it's so damn complicated. <laughs> um, it, it's so, so yeah. ridiculous to, to get your head around. You've got to have a, a real crazy wall on the go to kind of mm. make everything make sense. And it, it changes on a dime because you think, oh crap, that doesn't work now because that happened or that happened or oh, this might happen. Or yeah. So it, it is, it is, it's a lot of fun, but also very difficult. But yeah, that's essentially where the, the idea came from. This, this, this just idea that I had about, you know, something that might happen. And I was like, okay, how do I get to that point? And then it all kind of went from there. Did you have that thing where the initial spark, which I know you can't talk about, that's going to happen in the sequel, was originally going to be in the first book and you realised that doesn't actually work, I'm going to have to put it in the sequel? Good question. I, I No, actually, because bizarrely, I actually always envisioned the story as a series, which mm. was something I was told not to do <laughs> by, <laughs> by, 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 by people. But it was, a bit, it was probably one of the best bits of advice I ever got was that when I sent the book off quite early on to like an, I sent it down to like an editor down in London and they came back to me and said essentially that you've got to write this book as if it's the only thing you're ever going to write. You can't write a story with the intention of writing more. If you see what I mean, you, you, yeah. you obviously, obviously the story can have sequels, but you've got to make it a self-contained thing in itself. There has mm-hmm. to be a clear 
arc. Yeah, of course. The story and the characters in this one thing. That was the best bit of advice I ever got, and that actually really helped the book. But I can't lie, it always was the case that it was going to be a three or four part you know, story. So mm. I didn't know when that reveal was going to happen. It's actually just come after finishing the first book. I thought, yeah, the second book is the right time to reveal this. So yeah, so that, that, that that's why it's happening then. No, it's really it's really hard that getting everything in the first part. So like I think I often say it to writers with spec scripts, it's like if you have a pilot for something, you've got to sort of tell a self-contained story almost, but set yeah. up a whole series as well. It's so difficult to do. The first episodes are the, the bane. You know what I mean? They're so difficult to get right. But that's really interesting. And speaking about sending it to an editor London, a question which I think will be really useful for any of our listeners that maybe want to be a writer and get a book published but how did the whole publishing process work how did you go about getting this book published because i know that's not easy to do no it's it it's it's not easy at all and it's it was quite a yeah, tough process i'm not gonna lie it was quite tough uh, to take sometimes and there was you know there's a lot of rejection along the way and that's that's part of the course that is what happens to people in the creative industry uh, and especially i think because writing is quite a personal thing. I think writing is even more so than acting. I think writing is quite a personal thing because it's your yeah, it's your course. baby baby almost. Is it, you, you, you're giving this out to the world and the people don't like it. It's kind of hard to take. But, you, but the, the, essentially, whenever rejection did happen, I kind of saw it as a, a, a positive and kind of tried to make it a reason for me to go back, look at the book and try and make it better. So essentially what happened was in the publishing process is that when you finished, well, when you think you've finished the, 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 the book, you send it out. Uh, and you can do it in different ways. You can you can either contact literary agents, and then it's just like having an acting agent or you know a creative agent of some kind, and they then take the book on your behalf and they send and they send it off to publishers and they and they try and get it to be published. Or you can just skip that process and you can just go straight to the publishers themselves, which is what I, I ended up doing, and just and sending the book and saying, look, this is this is the book that you know this is why I think it could be successful, and uh, and then they either say yes or no. But yeah, that essentially that that was about overall. I think about a year year of the process trying to get that mm-hmm. that book seen by somebody because at the end of the day if you are someone who has not actually written a book before it's hard to get someone and, and it's the same with anything if you're somebody who's not acted anything in anything before or written a script before it's hard for someone to actually take you seriously and that that's the hardest part is, is actually getting someone to actually just see you that, 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 that is that is that is the toughest part so essentially what happened was that i would send it out i'd wait a little bit nothing would happen i'd then go okay it's not ready yet that's fine and i'd go again and i'd, and I'd edit it and i'd make it better and then that's when the editor in london kind of came in, into play a little bit I, I i decided to go and send it off to an independent editor in in London and then they took a look at the book and then they helped me and then I redrafted again and mm. then I sent it out again and then nothing would happen and then I'd do it again and so <laughs> and so on so that's essentially what happened you've got to just keep going you've got to work on it if you really believe in the story you really believe in your work then you've got to just keep going because you know there's yeah. no point in not, not having to go so and then eventually I sent it off to a publisher and they said yes and then that, that was it so it just takes that one person to say yes for it to happen and then it then snowballs from there it then was about a year Another year of that process was then the book being with the publishers and then working with an editor at the publishers to, again, tighten up the story, get any last-minute changes in, do the proof editing, you know, the proof editing where you read the whole book and make sure there's no mistakes and all these things. So all that took a long time. Then the cover, doing the, the, all these things, and then obviously the, the, the hardest part, which was actually sending the book out to other authors. So you actually send your book out to other authors to then get a quote back from them. So that was the most nerve-wracking part of the process for me, which was, you know, having these other people who are established authors in the industry. Either, it was either Scottish authors that I aimed for or other young adult authors who were really talented and really, really awesome. And they were lovely. They came back and they gave nice quotes. And yeah, that, that was a really, it ended up being the nicest part of the process because it was it was really rewarding. Yeah, but yeah very scary at the time. Thinking, well, here here I am, Mr. Nobody, sending all, all, all off to you guys and see what you think. So yeah, that, that, that that's essentially in a nutshell the, the, the whole process. But yeah, a, a lot of uh, a lot of fun along the way, <laughs> for sure. No, f- thank you though for sharing the sort of ins and outs of it. Because I think a lot of people listen might not realise how long that actually takes. You have to be yeah. very, it's the same in TV development like I don't think people realize sometimes how many versions of a script like like how many drafts there is or something like people maybe think oh 10 drafts or something it could be like 150 times you're rechanging something and I imagine it's the same with a book but how did you sort of deal with that rejection and and be so patient like because that's not easy to do I think it just came from believing that this was the one if you know what I mean, like, 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 I ha- I'd had various ideas over the t- over like, of what I could maybe write about, or you know, and that that goes for scripts as well. But this was the one idea where I thought, no, this is it. This this, this is the one thing that I really want to kind of get over the line. Whatever it takes, I'm going to get it over the line. So once I'd 
written the book and obviously started this process and obviously was getting all this you know mm. rejection and, and 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 what i find the ha- what i found harder i think was the no reply which 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 is a thing that a lot of people struggle with i think in terms of uh, acting and writing and all these things is when people just don't get back to you i, I actually prefer mm. someone saying no than someone yeah, saying nothing yeah, yeah, yeah. I, th- I, th- I think that is it's something i i'm very passionate about trying to change in the industry about this mm. idea of that you, you just take the time just to even just even if you just said the word no in the, in the, in the email that's better than nothing like, yeah. it's better than, than not knowing or wondering whether you've said the email in some wrong way or you've not quite formatted your email like all these little things creep into your head when, when you when you go through this process about like are you just not quite form you know, like phrasing mm. the email the right way and the simple things like that is that is that what's going against you or is it the book or is it this so being able to kind of process all that and and just having that confidence just to keep going, that's that's probably the most important thing is that you've got to just believe in what you're doing, believe in the story. And as I kind of said before, my attitude was just to kind of take it as a positive and just go, it's not ready yet. That's what I kept telling myself. I use that exact phrase every time. It's not ready yet. So that means you've got to go off and you've got to work and you've got to try and make it better. And that's how I dealt with it, essentially. No, it's really, it's a really nice answer as well. And I think a lot of people listening will probably be in the same boat if they're trying to get something off the ground, etc. And you're right, I think it is a problem in this industry of people not replying. It was really hard because I used to be like, I have that same opinion, but I remember being, when I was the one that was having to respond to script emails and stuff, and there's a small team and you're getting so many emails, yeah, it's so it, hard to reply it to It is a two-way street, yeah. It is a it's two-way really street difficult, but I think that's also a, a, a problem with this industry and how we overwork people anyway, because if yeah. you know, if we maybe had a bit less pressure on us then we might have more time to do good human decent things like that but you're right it is always useful to reply and I think I was taught by some amazing people always to reply if you do say no you have to explain why you say no and be constructive because you've got to help people and yeah no it's, it's a hard one though Hello, it's JB here. You may have heard this advert several times before, but if not, this is basically just me taking a minute to remind you guys that if you're enjoying the podcast, there are a number of things you can do to help us keep growing. Now, as many of you might be aware, the podcasting landscape is incredibly saturated and, I mean, there's lots of podcasts, we all love podcasts, but it's very difficult for independent podcasts like us to sometimes break through and to be noticed. So doing things like sharing us on social media, word of mouth, and just telling friends and family to listen or even leaving us a little five-star review on places like Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts go so far in helping us to keep growing. Me and Elliot adore this podcast. We love making this podcast. So if you're able to help in any way by doing something like that, we'd be incredibly grateful, not just for our podcast, but if you love any independent podcasts, please try and give them a wee share or give them a review because it, it goes so far. Another thing you can do if you enjoy the podcast as well, and we appreciate that this is a very difficult time, but if you're enjoying this podcast and you want to help us, you can donate as little or as much as you like to our Patreon page, and you can do that by going to patreon.com slash job, or you can click the link in the show notes. Anything you can afford, we are very grateful for. Thank you for your continued support, and I hope you enjoy the rest of today's episode. But I wanted to know, Craig, as well, since you've written a book about time travel, is there like a period of history that you particularly love? Ooh. Well, the obvious answer is probably Robert the Bruce, because that had such a major <laughs> influence on, on, on my life. The Wars of Independence. I really have always loved as far back as you can go. Like, I've really loved early history. I've always really loved like BC stuff, like Romans, mm-hmm. Egyptians, because it, it just seems like such an alien concept now to have yeah. had this society that was kind of like getting somewhere yeah. and then it just all stopped and then we had the dark ages and we had this period of where you know religion was getting overpowering everything and uh, and, and kind of putting the masses down and all these things it's just fascinating to me that the fascinating thing for me is as i said the we were like the greeks especially they had this like the society that was developing and you know philosophy and all these things and then it all just went, yeah, went away really weird. yeah so that, so i that's probably my favorite time to kind of read about and think about would be to go back that far and kind of kind of have a look at that, which is why in in, in the book there's a lot of like Pictish Roman mm. elements to, to, to the story, um, which I'm going to hopefully delve a bit more into in the second book. 
yeah for sure but yeah yeah that's that, that's probably my favorite time and the second part of this if you could go back in time anywhere what would it be that one or <laughs> i mean it'd be quite risky to go back there i mean oh god <laughs> uh yeah I, I don't really know like i think i i don't think i'd like i think personally i don't think i'd like to go back too far because i think as i say from that from that only like you know selfish mm. survival standpoint maybe again being too pragmatic um, but, but, yeah. <laughs> but you know you know what i mean like i, I kind of i think i'd prefer to go back back and see like the 60s or the 70s you know that that mm -hmm. i think i'd like to go see what life was like back then but i personally i actually would like to prefer i'd actually like to go to the future i find the future quite interesting because it's something that you're not gonna mm -hmm. I, see, I, like, I, I like to, yeah yeah i'd like to go and see what what's next and where, where we're going I, 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 I personally but yeah see i wrote when i wrote this question i, I, I had originally written the future i thought well that if you ask somebody where they like to go in the future that's about random like because <laughs> it might not be you know who knows is it is it yeah. formed yet is it something that happens a little yeah. decision who knows i mean they know that's interesting yeah thank you for answering that i would, thought i'd just chuck a little fun one in there as well yeah just always interesting but craig i also wanted to ask you about the difference between us which obviously you're very involved with so tell us a bit about the film so essentially the difference the difference between us is a feature film that was made in scotland by, by a Scottish crew and filmmaker Etienne Kilwabo who is someone who is originally from Africa who came over to Scotland when he was in his late teens and has made Scotland his home and he's very passionate about Scottish filmmaking kind of making a success of it here as as we all are and this is the debut feature film from the studio from Mile Away Films uh, and the film essentially it centres around uh, a young black man called Alex Watson from the Scottish Highlands he's been raised up there in seclusion by two white adoptive parents and then he decides to come down to Glasgow for university and uh, essentially it's about him navigating this kind of change where he's kind of been raised almost in like this protective bubble mm. uh, I, I, he doesn't really have a really a concept of what being black in the modern world actually means and so by going to university experiencing Glasgow and, all, and, and what kind of certain racial you know problems that happen as a result of, of interactions with certain people there's various varying degrees of racism that goes on in the film and it's a fascinating topic to kind of touch on and, and to kind of see in action especially in our own country Country as well and kind of mm -hmm. you know the experiences that Etienne himself the director had and it's a great story about identity and finding yourself and also finding that connection with other people uh, as well it had a limited cinema run around the world it was in Glasgow and Edinburgh and it had it was in Sweden as well and various other places but then it's now been bought and it'll be on TV this Christmas which is which is fat which has been fantastic to to kind of see especially to see their support for a, a Scottish independent film as well so mm. very excited about that that's amazing and how how did you sort of find doing all the different jobs and stuff on that. Oh, I mean, it, it, it was my first experience of, of kind of doing all this stuff because as I said, I, I originally, you know, I started off in this business as an actor and I wanted to be a writer as well, had aspirations of being a writer. Mm -hmm. And essentially the story, the story, what happened was is that I was on a Zoom call with Etienne quite early on in the process. I'd just been cast as the film's main antagonist. I always get cast as the bad guys, unfortunately. But yeah, I'm trying, I'm trying, trying to trying to uh, get away from that typecasting, but it's good fun being the bad guy. But yeah, so I'd been cast as, as that character. I, I was sitting on a Zoom call with Etienne and kind of just mentioned the fact that you know that I, that I was into writing and I was writing my own scripts and all these things and he just said do you want to have a look at I've, I've just finished the first draft of the script do you want to have a look at it and essentially it all kind of snowballed from there I kind of went back to him and said I really like the script but can I I've got this idea for this part and this part and could we maybe tweak the dialogue here and I can give you some Scottish phrases here and all these little things and looking back it was quite a ballsy move for, for, for someone who'd just been cast as a as an actor in the film to, to do that but it kind of is a testament to the kind of guy Etienne is because he's a really lovely guy and he's very into collaboration and he was really open to the idea of me coming on and and, and essentially what I did was I became the script editor or, or, or on on the film mm -hmm. and helped him redraft the script and that was my first kind of foray into you know doing that job and realizing how much I enjoyed it uh, and helping someone you know get their script to where it needed to be and then essentially again it snowballed again and I was invited to be part of the crew and then I became the the I think I was I did various different jobs. I was the first AD at times. I was a script supervisor for a lot of it. I was producing. I was helping direct now and again, uh, like helping with the actors and stuff. So it was a bizarre experience, uh, an absolute whirlwind. And I absolutely loved it. it. It was great fun. But yeah, very, very stressful doing all those different jobs. And yeah, I think in a future film, we'll have more money and therefore more people. <laughs> that's, the, that, that's the hope anyway. Yeah, yeah, but yeah no, that's really exciting. And I'm excited to finally get to see it. I was saying to you as well, I keep missing this film. I've been trying to catch it since August. So I'm excited to, to finally get to watch it uh, when it comes out on the telly. That'll be good. We'll link stuff to this all in the show notes. Yeah. And the, book, the book as well is available from Waterstones and all 
independent bookshops, etc. Yeah, whatever you, whatever your books are sold. Yeah, water. If you pop into your local Waterstones in Scotland, it'll it should be there. It'll also be unless it's sold out, you know, it could have sold. Well, out. Hey, yeah, but, but you never know. You never know. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, Amazon. Yeah, all the all the usual places you can get the book from. Yeah. yeah. Well, massive congratulations on the film and the book, Craig. It's uh, both great achievements and quite nice to have them both in the same year. Although I know you've been working on one of them particularly for a lot yeah, longer. Yeah. Bit bananas, but yeah, we'll, we'll keep going. There's always a lot of delayed gratification in this industry. It's very strange. Well, I know we've been speaking for 45 minutes. I'm going to start to wrap things up. I've got a couple more questions for you. But I wanted to know, which is a really hard thing to do, but how do you sort of protect your mental well-being in this industry? Because it can be really hard. It's about you're talking earlier about rejection and, you know, it can be quite stressful and things take a long time and money's not always uh, forthcoming as steady mm-hmm. as it is in a more conventional job, etc. I think it's important always to remember that you're a person first. And you need to take care of yourself first. And you've got to make sure that your professional ambitions don't get in the way of your mental well-being. And that at the end of the day, no matter what happens, you've got to look after yourself. So essentially just being able to ske- <laughs> schedule, pragmatic again, but you know what I mean, schedule the time essentially to look after yourself and take take a break now and again. And actually it's very difficult, I think, especially for people in the creative industry to take that time because you feel like you've got to keep mm. going. If you If you stop you're done because it, you know if you have to keep the snowball going if you know what I mean so I think it's important to make sure that no matter how many different things you're doing there's something I try and do myself because I have various different tasks throughout the week is that I do my best to as much as humanly possible create an environment where I am working from this period to this period and then I have time off mm-hmm. for, for the, you know whether that be the weekend it sometimes isn't obviously because that's the nature of film and TV but whether that is the weekend whether that is the evenings whatever it is that you designate that time for yourself because you have to have a break you have you have to take that yeah. time to, to you know just to do something else and and not feel like you're constantly working because burnout I think is probably the biggest yeah, contributing sure. factor I think to people in this industry in terms of their mental health I think it is just feeling like you just you just have to keep going because if you don't it's someone else will take your place or whatever whatever, mm-hmm. whatever it is so yeah that i think that's probably the main thing for me is what i my biggest bit of advice would be just ensure that you have that time i think it kind of comes from i think i'm kind of lucky in this in the sense that i've come from a background of being a teacher therefore i'm used to having the schedule like like mm-hmm. I, I work from this time to this time and that's it and that's what i do and so i think i've kind of tried my best as much obviously it, obviously there are times where things become mental if you're working on a film set for three weeks or four weeks or however long that goes kind of goes out the window a little bit but you've you as much humanly possible if you can have that time where you work from this time to this time and then you take you take the time for yourself that's the only kind of bit of advice i can give i think in, t- in terms of that yeah i know it's really hard though and i think burnout is a big systemic problem in the creative industries and unfortunately a lot of people don't have the choice to to not to avoid it because it's a the hours are too long or they they have to do these crazy jobs and stuff but it's really hard and especially if you're a freelancer you feel like you can't have that time off because like i've got to take the next job i don't know when the next one will be and it's the culture there needs to you know there's a lot of change needed but i think it's i try to do the same it's always block out a bit of time nope i'm not going to do this etc no it's really helpful just get a real job obviously the name of this podcast is just get a real job with all the to work jobs we didn't like to pay the bills over the years, etc. But what's the worst quote real job or part-time <laughs> job you'd ever had to work to support I yourself? I do lo- I do love the name of the podcast. It's great. The yeah, so I think am I allowed to say the name of the, the place? Or it's up to you. I mean you we can <laughs> do you think there'll be like any sort of follow-up no, or a lot? <laughs> I, I, I doubt I doubt it. So I, I uh when when I actually I actually was quite lucky when I was younger. So when I was um a teenager, I my summer and weekend job, I was a tennis coach so I had a lovely job but then when I went Mm. to university in Edinburgh I left had to leave that behind so I had to get a get a a different job so I ended up working in a a well-known sports shop called Sports Direct which you may which you may you (laughs) definitely would have heard of it's become quite infamous recently for how it treats its staff and all these things Uh, I I don't know whether it's gotten better now who knows but yeah essentially it was those kind of places where you know you're in the the warehouse or the shoe you know, with the cupboards for like a for six, seven hour shift in the heat of the summer and all these things. Luckily, I ended up being having a talent for lying to customers. So I ended up being a shoe salesman. Uh, that's was the, act, the acting skills kind of came into play there. <laughs> but yeah, that that was my uni job, which I didn't really last very long in because I just, yeah, I, I found it very difficult to work in retail and I don't think I'd go back <laughs> for sure. But yeah, that that's that that was my 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 re- Real job, if you, if you, if you will. Yeah, I don't think you're the first guest that's worked in sports direct and and, <laughs> and said uh, not so nice things about it. But you know, it yeah. doesn't always sound you know 
it's in the past now at least yeah you're a published yeah. author you're a published <laughs> author you're past it i've just got two more questions for you craig but one of them they kind of tie into each other the first yeah. is like, what are three things you think somebody would need to do what you do and i know that's hard for you to answer because you do lots of different things but maybe let's stick let's say about being an author for this one i think so what are three okay. things somebody would need to be like an author to be an author i would say well patience we kind of talked about already so patience is one uh, for sure i think having good problem solving skills as well because you've got to constantly be trying to work out you know there'll, there'll be moments where you just can't think of the idea and sometimes you've got to just mm-hmm. be able to and that ties into patience as well actually just being patient as well for that sort of thing but yeah good problem solving skills being patient and i think other than you know being able to actually write the book i suppose i don't know, <laughs> I don't know what, what the other thing would be i think the main thing would be just to constantly keep going being determined i think that you that what and being having faith in your idea those would be the skills that you kind of need i think to mm. to kind of succeed i think it's more most of the things i think you need to succeed are all mental i think i think all, i think all the i think all, all these all these things are in your own head I, th- I think i think the actual manifestation of all these things you've got to have these skills in your in your brain to to to, to make it happen but i think so, there are things you can learn as well i think i think those skills are all things you can learn for sure and kind of train yourself to be able to do Definitely. Mm. And if you did have another answer prepared for this, I know this is one of the questions I sent you before. Feel free to also give them if you have more general things, because I know I just sort of pitched you to be talking about the offer part there. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I think for working in the film and TV industry itself, in a, in a more general sense, I'll just kind of put everything all in one, all in one place. I think adaptability is, is, is a big one. I think they all kind of go, go together, actually. Adapt, adaptability is one because you've got to, things can change on a dime in, in, in the film and TV industry, especially if you're working on a set itself. Yeah. Problem solving again, I think, is is something that's important because again, for the same reasons, things can happen. You've got to be able to think on your feet mm-hmm. and and be able to 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 adapt to different issues that can arise on a set. It could be anything, you know, it could be anything from the actor not turning up. It could be from the or or you know getting stuck in traffic or you know and be having to rearrange the day on a dime when you've had all these things planned out. So adaptable problem solving, and I think that the the main thing is being an effective communicator, collaborating well with others. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I suppose the biggest bit of advice I can give anybody, if I could give anyone any one thing I would say is that just be a decent human being. It goes it yes. goes a long yeah. way. It goes a long way because mm-hmm. unfortunately there's still it still is the case that there's a lot of people in this industry who are who just don't behave that way. And it and it's something that needs to change. It is changing for the better. It is changing mm-hmm. for the better. I'm not gonna lie, we are getting more better workplace conditions, I would say. But it's a it's a horrible thing to say, but you will stand out if you are a decent human being in a good way. Like you will stand no, out sure. if, if, if you go in every day, you are nice to everybody, you get on well with everybody, and you work your ass off that you know that you just Put in a good day's work, and you don't, you know, you know, it, it's it's just one of those things where I just highly recommend just being a good person. I mean, it, it, it sounds it sounds yeah. very obvious, but it, 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 you yeah. would be surprised in this, you know, in this industry. Yeah. One of, and like one of my favorite yeah. bits of advice somebody said on this podcast is, "Don't be a dick." And I think you basically say the same yeah. thing in a much nicer but, way, yeah. and it's true. Well, my 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 phrase has always been. Uh, just because you're an artist doesn't mean you have to be an arsehole. That's my phrase. And that's kind of what I kind of do my best to, to kind of embody whenever I work on things that just, just be a decent human being. It's not difficult. Completely. Uh, I, and, and just be encouraging everybody and help them out and do the best job you can. And it goes, it does go a long way. It does go a long way. Yeah. Well, Craig, thank you so much for your time today. It's been lovely speaking to you. It's a really nice way to start the day. Massive congratulations again on the book and on the film this year in particular. And, you know, I wish you all the best of luck with your sort of school tour this month and stuff as well. Thanks so much. It's been great to be here. Great to meet you. Thank you. There you go. That was episode 120 of Just Get a Real Job. Thank you again to Craig for his time. It was lovely to have him on the podcast. Be sure to check out his book, available on Waterstones, Amazon and all good bookstores. Keep an eye out also for The Difference Between Us. And there's also links to some of Andrew's other work as well in the show notes. As always, if you'd enjoyed this week's episode, be sure to share it on social media, leave us a review and tell other people to listen, etc. But as always, thank you so much for listening. Have a lovely week and we'll be back again next Wednesday with another episode of Just Get A Real Job. Take care, folks. Just get a real job.